0: Hello and welcome to season two of Inforum's Meet Him podcast. My name is Terry Barclay, and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Him podcast series introduces listeners to male leaders who share what they've learned about the value of diverse leadership in their companies and in their own leadership journeys. And I am just absolutely thrilled that joining me today is Bob Christakos, Vice President Global Operations at Steelcase, and the Executive Sponsor of the Steelcase Gender Equity Network. Welcome, Bob, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Terry. It's nice to be here.
0: So I know we've got a lot to talk about, um, so we're just going to jump right in. Um, Let's do it. (laughs) As executive sponsor of the Steelcase Gender Equity Network, you must have some really great insights and experiences to share. Um, So let's start with what's your understanding of implicit bias and how do you work on identifying and addressing your own hidden biases?
1: Sure. So, you know, my understanding of hidden and implicit biases are, you know, these are things that uh, people believe and the values that they bring. And it influences the way that they make decisions and the actions that they take. Some of those biases are, may not be well understood, you know, to the person and getting them out and talking about them and understanding that they're there, I think is a really big step in managing them in the appropriate way. So. Uh, one of the things that we do as a leadership team is we have roundtable discussions with our employees. That's what we call them. But the idea is simply that the leader does a lot more listening than talking. And what we want to hear from people is, how is it going? You know, we have simple questions to try to get them talking about. Do you think things are getting better or worse? Why do you think that? How do you feel about that? As we have those discussions and and as you can get a group to open up, you certainly learn a lot about um, how they're feeling about decisions, how they perceive them. And it reveals a lot of of the biases of a person and of an organization. So we do these on a regular basis for exactly these purposes. A couple of things, you know, became evident as we did them, a couple of recurring themes. Um, Mm -hmm. One is, you know, the way uh, that we go about our hiring practices can very often have hidden biases in them. We can tend to hire people from the same schools, uh, the same kinds of profiles, the same kinds of backgrounds, and that doesn't always create the best diversity in the organization. So we have to be much more conscious about that and we have to uh, take steps accordingly. One of the things that we'll do uh, as a way to address those biases is be very intentional about the practices, the hiring practices themselves. So we're developing approaches that we call, uh, you know, developing the talent slate, making sure that as we hire people from the outside and even as we do internal moves, that the, the slate of candidates has uh, diversity represented in those mm. uh, candidate pools.
0: That's really great.
1: And then we can draw uh, on who's really the best candidate. We don't have to make any decisions about uh, do we, uh, you know, do we take a candidate that's less qualified. You you naturally tend to find the best candidate if you've got a great candidate pool. So spend more time working at getting a good candidate pool before you make hiring decisions, and that tends to make things uh, go better and, and tends to address some of those biases.
0: I just love, um, I just love those insights. You know, I, I think probably we've all, if we've been in the workplace for a period of time, we've probably encountered situations as we've gone along the way, where we come face to face with our own bias and you know, I, I love the idea, the concept of implicit bias because I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, "I'm going to discriminate against somebody today. you know, right. I think everybody's honestly trying to make the best decisions that they can for for their companies. Um, so those processes that you outlined really are very powerful tools for um, you know, ensuring, that um you know you're holding we're holding ourselves accountable for being inclusive um in our approach
1: yeah that's really i also have a i have a very great uh hr partner that i work with closely and she um she'll kind of tell it like it is to me about you know how i'm being perceived maybe if i'm i'm not getting my message across the right way it's a great partnership and uh you know, she's been able to kind of steer me in the right direction at times when I've needed it.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. That's really that's really a good tip um, for all of us to make sure that we listen to the people who tell us the things that we might be missing, right? It's important. So um, what what are some of the things that a male ally, because clearly you're an ally, um, what are some of the things that a male ally can do on a day-to-day basis to sort of encourage and facilitate diversity, equity, and inclusion?
1: Yeah, well, I think the first thing I would I would say to my male colleagues is, you've got to get in the conversation. I think there can be hesitancy on our part, um, worried about saying the wrong thing or mm-hmm. you know being perceived the wrong way, and I, I feel that too. But you but you can't let that stop you from having the important conversations that you really need to have you know there was a great example of this that came from you know one of our own factories and i was uh, talking to two of our new material supervisors and they had both been newly promoted into their roles and both women and and these are very tough positions you know a, yes. a, a material supervisor is right in the, you know, what I'll call the line of fire between how the plant operates and the supply chain. And their responsibility is to get the right materials to the right place at the right time. Sounds simple, right?
0: (laughs) Well, I think we've all learned during the pandemic that it's not simple.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It used to be a lot simpler than it is. Um, But what can happen is, you know, plants can be very demanding places. They need what they need. And that, and and it's a very rigorous place to make sure that you get you know schedules completed every day. So anyway, I was talking to both of these supervisors, and I said, "Well, how's it going in your new job?" And they told me, "It's you know it's going okay." And and I also asked and I probed a little bit more, and I said, "Well, you know it's a male-dominated uh, area. Operations can be in general." I said, "Well, how's everybody taking to the fact that you know the boss is a woman?" And one of them said, "Well." you really want to know? And I said, of course. And she told a story about she was interacting with a male colleague in on the plant floor. Things were not going well. He was upset. He was laying out exactly what's wrong and what, you know, should be done about it and where, you know, where changes have to be made. And as he was, you know, relating the problems, she was responding about, you know, saying what uh, what was going to be done about that. The conversation really wasn't going well and it just felt like the person that uh, was doing a lot of the complaining about this really wasn't listening to the answers. She had a teammate with her that worked on her team uh, who was a male colleague, and he kind of stepped into the conversation and he just, he kind of positioned himself right right in his line of sight and said, are you listening to her? She is trying to work on your problem. You should just listen and do less talking and uh, you know change the conversation. And so I asked her, I said, well, how did you, how'd you feel about that, that he did that? And she needed that. I mean, she, she was grateful for the help and the support. And I think uh, it's just one good example, I think, of what a a male ally can do to help things move along and and be smoother.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, thank you for that example, um, Bob, because there's nothing like a story like that (laughs) to help bring some of these concepts alive, you know, that we talk about in the abstract, but, so what does that really mean (laughs) in the the day-to-day hubbub? And those plant roles are so important. I mean, that's, that's where organizations live and die, right? You know, is the, is operations. So, So, you know, there's a growing consensus around the business case for workplace diversity um, how have you how have you helped bring that alive and to diversify Steelcase?
1: case? Yeah, it's a great question. First, you know, I would I would say diversity works. Diversity gets you better business outcomes. As a global company, we know that and we see that in the workplace. So especially when you have people that are coming at things from different experiences and different knowledge bases and different perspectives and we're all trying to do you know kind of similar things to serve the customer and we've seen this in our organization where one team in a different part of the world has some great ideas and uh, they have a better way to solve the problem than maybe you know the current solution that's in place so we really have to be open to that so you know diversity across teams diversity within teams we talk about that all the time as a leadership team. That diversity is the path to business, to better business outcomes. We really believe that, but we've got to be diligent about enabling it, uh, supporting it, fostering it, encouraging it. And those are some of the things that I think leaders uh, can do and should do to help it move along.
0: Yeah, I I've heard so many stories over the years when you're a global company like you are. Um, you know, you have, what, a base, I know you're in Kuala Lumpur, you know, all just different parts of the globe. And there are very yeah. different ways of thinking. And it's interesting because in an odd sort of way, when you have that kind of global diversity, it helps you see more, everyone to see more clearly the, how, the aspects of diversity <laughs> um, because it's not quite so politicized, right? It's just a, a reality. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, there,
1: there's a the very objective part of this where, you know, you can kind of look at, you have multiple ways to solve the problem objectively, which is the best way?
0: Mm-hmm. And how did we get there? Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, being open to those things and, and fostering and cultivating that. Boy, that, that works.
0: <laughs> that's that's great to hear. So you have been at this a while and you have just an incredible base of experience. Can you tell us about a time when you've learned a tough leadership lesson that you you might appreciate more in hindsight than than you did at the time? I know I have a few of those.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we all do. I do remember one that um, goes back quite a ways. In fact, um, right around the early part of 2002, you know, our industry was coming out of a tough time after 9-11, you know, the whole kind of world was reacting and everything kind of got put on hold. Certainly the first thing on people's minds wasn't uh, buying office furniture uh, for a while until, you know, some things got sorted out. So we had to downsize at Steelcase and um, and, uh, it was extensive, it was, you know, difficult. We did that. And uh, in the aftermath of that, we met occasionally as, again, in those roundtable kinds of discussions, cross sections of employees would meet and talk about how things were going and how they were feeling. Um, I didn't have a, you know, this was uh, 2002, I didn't have a high level executive position back then. I was just, you know, one of the managers, many managers in the company. I was in one of these roundtable discussions and, we were all getting asked, you know, how are we doing and what do we think? And my feedback was, you know, I, I think uh, we just have to move along now. We just have to try to get this behind us. And as tough as it was, it's, it's just time to, you know, plow ahead and uh, get things done. And for me, that seemed totally right and totally logical. And uh, What, you know, to my surprise though, in that meeting this made one of the other roundtable participants really react very, very negatively. She um, uh, was actually quite upset about mm. the way that I said that and the way that I did that. And she let me know it. I mean, she said, you know, how can you do that? How can you think that? How can you, you know, that's very insensitive. It's very, uh, you know, there are a lot of us that are still grieving and, sh- and still trying to, you know, sort this out. and." a lot of close friends and colleagues left the company and you know i'm still you know having a hard time with that and uh, that was where she was and we were clearly not you know indifferent Uh, we're not uh, thinking about things the same it it took me a while uh, to understand that um, she was right and and i was wrong Um, people need what they need you know in terms of how you how you deal with things and how you process things and the time it takes to kind of deal with situations we're all different and you just gotta kind of realize that and and let things take their course the way that they need to for individuals and you can be encouraging and supportive and stuff but um but that was a that was a lesson that i've been carrying around for quite a while
0: what what a powerful lesson and um unfortunately one that we seem to need frequently in the last year, right? Um, there's mm-hmm. just been so much going on, um, in the world. That's, that's really, and speaking of things going on in the world, how, how does the rapid pace of change within the organization, the industry, I don't know a single organization or industry that isn't dealing with just a very, uh, a, a real, almost a crushing pace of change. Um, how does that affect your leadership style? Can, Maybe you share a story about a time when you had to adapt or to implement real change.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's something that's going on right now in the, in the present circumstances about changes that we've got to make to adapt. So you think about you know with the pandemic as the backdrop, everybody's working from home. So you know work from home is now suddenly a very big uh, consideration in our business where it has been traditionally much more about just uh, being in the office. So we've been uh, doing work from home. you have been selling things into retail channels and, and selling things directly over the web for quite a while, but things are happening at a much different scale now. So our traditional business model of always selling through dealers and dealers sell directly to customers and it's always a business to business kind of a transaction Uh, now we're selling things directly on uh, store.steelcase.com or through Amazon or through Wayfair. And it's a very different model. You know, so earlier we were talking about hidden or implicit biases. It's very easy to see how our biases towards this traditional business model are very strong. It's like a reflex that is always pulling us back to the way we think things could be done or should be done. Because that's Mm -hmm. what we're That's what we know, and that's what we're comfortable with, and that's what we uh, go back to. So it's been a big challenge to get uh, leadership teams and teams in general to think about, no, this this is different. This requires us uh, to be very agile and to be able to uh, to do a whole different business model that this part of the industry really needs. It's a challenge, I mean, we, you, from a leadership standpoint, we have to stay with it and keep talking about it and keep reinforcing that you can't treat uh, this part of the industry the same way as you treat this part of the industry, uh, and that's been a challenge for us. And we're working through it and getting better at it, but, but it's tough.
0: Are you finding? I I find myself what? What a great example, by the way. Just thank you for sharing that. I I I feel my I want that I want to ask a follow up question. (laughs) That's just as as the as the pandemic has sort of dragged on, um, and you know we we hope that there's change ahead that's for the positive, as the vaccines become available. Um, have you found that as that time has passed that uh, people it's, are, are having a, an easier time dealing with change or are they just getting tired and it's, so it takes even more effort?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It, is, it can be very fatiguing you know, to be at home and to be you know, in virtual meetings for eight hours a day. Um, and so, you know, what we're seeing is people will make adjustments, they'll invest in their home offices or their homework areas, uh, and that's creating a nice market, but it's still very, um, very different. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of uh, have to think about a lot of aspects of being in the office differently. There were a lot of things that, that we do in, that, We didn't really think much about, you know, the spontaneously running into people at the at the coffee machine or bumping into them in the hallway and having casual conversations. All of that spontaneous, you know, serendipitous encounter uh, doesn't take place as much. So you have to be much more um, scripted and and prescriptive about how you interact with people. You have to schedule a meeting and get them on video and Mm -hmm. it's different. And I think people do have some challenges adjusting.
0: So before we leave this section, do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share?
1: I do. It's a bit unusual, uh, an unusual source. Um, It's from the boxer Mike Tyson. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's great. So why is that (laughs) your favorite?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I remember when he said that and uh, he was talking about uh, he was being interviewed and he was being asked about an upcoming fight and his opponent had a plan on how he was going to win. And so uh, Mike Tyson, you know, out of an abundance of self-confidence, I think said, yeah, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the, mouth. Punched in the mouth. Yeah. But, but I think there's an interesting um, way to also take that Uh you know, from a resilience standpoint, you got to be able to take a punch in the mouth, and that certainly has happened to all of us that are managing supply chains and managing businesses and stuff. That you got to be able to come back from, uh, you know, adversity. And I think uh, you know, it's just it's fun that it came from Mike Tyson as a boxer <laughs> who's who didn't know he was giving good business advice. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I, I collect quotes as a hobby, and that one is definitely going in the in the <laughs> that's roster okay. there. That, that's a great one. That's really a great one. So, so, Bob, before you go, can you share with us a story about how you used, or even a time when you wish you'd used, a key leadership competency and why that mattered?
1: There, there are situations where I've learned over the years to, um, you know, keep emotions in check and make sure that um, you don't let things that you say or do uh, get out ahead of you because you were in an emotional state. And uh, I check myself on this all the time. And one of the techniques that I've uh, always used for a long time now is, you know, we all have, have things come across our desks or an email that uh, make us want to react emotionally and it makes us upset. And you know, we're ready to you know, have a confrontation about it or something like that happens. And um, what I think I have to do is when that occurs, you know, if I get that email message that makes my heart beat a little bit faster, makes my heart rate uh, go up and, and uh, I think to myself, okay, I'm, I'm gonna write a response, but I am not gonna send it. I'm gonna say what I think and how I should react to this. And I'm gonna write that all down but I'm not gonna send it for 24 hours mm. at least. I'm gonna come back and look at it again and make sure it's really what I wanna say. Almost every time it's not, almost every time it's something that I, I may take bits and pieces out of that response to craft a different response, uh, or I may decide it's just uh, not anything that I would wanna send anyway. And um, and so I, uh, I find myself you know, having to manage myself that way so that things don't further escalate. And then when I do send it out and I get responses back, I always go back and reread my response and I kind of critique myself. Uh, could I have said it better? Did the person react the way that I thought they were gonna react to how I said and how I phrased things? Um, what could I have done better with that? That's kept me out of a lot of trouble, uh, <laughs> and I, but I did learn it the hard way over time to, make sure that i do that the right way yeah
0: you know that's such great advice especially when it comes to email do you have any tricks for when you're in person
1: yeah that's the (laughs) that's the (laughs) toughest i think uh i think when you you can feel it
0: you Mm. know when
1: you feel your heart rate go up and your uh your breathing get uh, faster Mm -hmm. it's just a signal like it is time Uh, respond to this, Um, get more facts, get more data, Um, uh, say that you'll come back at this with a response after you've considered it rather than Mm -hmm. uh, trying to react on the fly.
0: Thank you. Thank you for those really practical, actionable uh, tips and advice and stories. Um, And just thank you so much for joining us today, Bob. And thank you for your leadership in gender equity. We need more positive male allies out there. (laughs) So thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that wraps up our podcast Please come back to inforummichigan.org for more opportunities to meet him. And while you're there, check out season one, as well as Meet Her, a podcast series in which women share what they've learned about the importance of, of diverse leadership. And also, don't forget to check out our growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and our calendar of virtual events. Thanks for joining us today.